Um, there we go. There we go. There we go. Well, we got at least one fan in the room. That's nice. That's nice. Yeah. Normally they drop in and out, don't they, during the course of the podcast. Yeah. So. Um, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good overnight. Um, I'm Anthony Price. And I'm Jonathan Bradley. And we're going to be going slightly off piece today. Surprise, surprise. Mm. And we're going to be trying out um, something completely different. Something that Ant and I get quite excited about. And I'm not going to steal your thunder, Ant, but I'm quite excited about our show today me too me too but before we get into the the deep and dirty the listeners are desperate to know how life is in ramsgate in lockdown 2021 week two was it week three okay well it is pouring pouring with rain and i went i took the dog out earlier and thought well it's you know the sun's out it's all looking fine and then it poured with rain so i'm still soaking such is my commitment and my professionalism to this broadcast that I'm sitting here soaking so that uh, we could go live on time. So yes, it's raining. My shed is dry, uh, but I am. I brought a whole load of rain into the shed. So oh, hmm. I, I thought, thought you had showered. I thought, and, and if it's any consolation, JB, I skipped a poo to make sure I was on time for our podcast today. That's just a little bit too much information there, and. For, so sorry. For me at this sorry. time of time of the day. Really. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, but uh, yes, raining here in Ramsgate. Oh, it sounds like a song. It does. Raining here in, in Ramsgate. Ramsgate. Beautiful. Um, and yes, a, a big, big heavy week. I'm looking forward to putting my feet up. I'm not quite, quite sure I'm going to put my feet up this afternoon, but I will be at some uh, late afternoon. I am going to put my feet up, probably have a little dram of whiskey. Nice. Um, and fondle the dog's ears. Nah, nice. I, I think that was going what's lovely. About, yeah. <laughs> what about you? Um, do you know what? I've had a good week this week. Um, we've been going from strength to strength with the new job, which is great. Um, you and I did some client work together, which was the nice first time we've had a proper outing Ooh, for a long time. Yes. Um, I think we were we were well and truly outed. We were, yeah. So so imagine this, listeners: seven and a half hours of webcams on with no powerpoints to hide behind. So you're totally explo- exposed to the audience for a really prolonged period. So yeah, it was it 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 actually surprisingly went incredibly well. Um, I will be the first person, and JB may agree with me here, to suggest that anything more than an hour as a virtual training session is at risk of losing your audience. But we'd clearly engineered the agenda to retain their concentration for the duration, and I don't think they even just concentrated. We made it so participative that it was actually almost... I wouldn't say... I don't think it's ever going to replace a good face-to-face conference because that human to human and the ability for people to go off into corners of the room and meet and network was still missing. But apart from those elements, the experience of facilitator to audience in a facilitated roundtable discussion couldn't have gone better. What do you think? Well, can you imagine listening to you and I for seven and a half hours? I mean, that would be, I mean, I know we're, we're pretty exciting and dynamic and interesting, <laughs> but I, for seven and a half hours, are you kidding? So, uh, yeah, we deliberately uh, made it uh, incredibly interactive. And you know, I think if it was share of um, involvement in the webinar, I think it probably was, um, you know, 40 or 50% you and me, and the rest was them. Yeah. You know, they had to do stuff all the time. And um, anyway, remarkably, the feedback seems to be pretty positive. Yeah. And I think, you know, there is a there is a not giving the tools of our trade away, but uh, I think our radio backgrounds uh, are actually yeah. pretty important in terms of making it compelling, relevant and entertaining, being our three tests of our performance in these situations. And I, I think... Yeah, I think I think we did we did quite well on that. I agree. So, I agree. Um, yeah, but I tell you what, by the end of all of that, I was absolutely pooped, Me knackered, the f- more than I would be if I'd done it in real life. Yeah, you know what I mean. No, I agree with you. I think having the camera on 
and the intensity of not only like it is exhausting when you're facilitating a group of people for that long, but also monitoring technology and being far more... There was a conscious competence, but with an element of, of, of incompetence due to the new norm of tech. Um, yes. And therefore, there was an even higher level of, of... You used to call it relaxed concentration, but I don't think it was as relaxed as it could have been. Although I actually really enjoyed it. After the morning mm -hmm. sessions on both days, I thought... This, this is all right. But yeah, um, likewise, I then had 90-odd emails to add into the mix as well. I, um, You know how people talk about um, the, the evolution of man and with our, you know, computer fingers, we're just going to end up with really long um, fingers for all our keyboards um, and we're just going to be, you know, just going around sitting, sitting on things and never actually sort of walking anymore. We're just going to be very strange human beings. Uh, well, I'm pretty sure that I am I am evolving into a mole um, as a result of my digital um, focus over the last 12 months. Right. I don't get out much. And so I'm looking at a bloody computer screen all the time. Mm -hmm. And and this morning I woke up and I, I just thought, where have my eyes gone? I used to have eyes and they used to be quite big. And now they're just getting really small and small and small. <laughs> and I, so I just, oh, but the good news is all I have to do, ladies and gentlemen, is walk from one end of the garden to the other to get into my shed. So if I do end up <laughs> not, being, not being able to see much, um, it, it's okay. I can evolve into this um, mole-like person <laughs> with long, long fingers. That's um, funny. Yeah, you're right, though. Like, it's, it's, it, so my, my dad and I have debated this before, but he suspects he's he's more of a cynic than 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 many. He suspects that give it 100 years that you and I won't need to go to school anymore. We can have a chip inserted into our brain that downloads that curriculum to our brain for us in the same way that you download software to a computer. Um, and I said, well, what about the human element of it the connection he said well they'll probably work out how they can install that into you as well a personality I like, thanks dad well my business model needs to be out of the industry then by the time that i pop my clogs because you know i think your dad uh, i think there's more to, to your dad than meets the eye because isn't it true that he installed a computer chip inside the queen in buckingham palace <laughs> i you know you so I, that the story is that he did it he put the computer system into buckingham palace but i think he put it into the queen as you it were could be, well look i mean bearing in mind she's <laughs> she's getting on a bit she seems to be aging incredibly well so maybe indeed as you say she is a a queen bot if you will i think he should get an obe well he needs to be nominated for it first for that to happen and um, Let's unfortunately do it. Let's he's do it. He, my dad and his business partner are very introverted, so don't go out there touting for that. I hope you and me get nominated for an OB for the contribution to society in the leadership space. Um, I think a training award at the CIPD would be a good start. <laughs> it would be, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and by the way, I'd, listeners, I'd be happy with that. Listeners, we will be asking you to get behind um, some oh, nominations yes. of a company that me and JB are very intimate towards. Um, anyway, uh, JB, shall I hit play on the music? Um, to Ooh. create this this scene for the scene, the theme of the pod today. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Before I do, I'm just not sure to, what we're doing. I don't know how to, to prepare for this, but I'm just going to go with it. Well, I'm going to give him a slight moment of 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 reflection before we hit play on the music. But um, the podcast this week, we're going to have a conversation. There is one listener question that's been submitted via email. Oh. Um, globalleadershippodcast.gmail.com is the email, or find us via social media channels. Um, or, of course, if you're in the audience today, you can submit your questions using the Q&A box and you can mark it as anonymous or you can mark it as or not mark it anonymous and then we name you. But remember, this goes to the podcast platforms in the sky, which means they will stay in theory forevermore. Right. So to create some tension. Oh, <laughs> this is, I'm back in the game. This is JB's moment of fame. JB, what are we doing this week? Well, this week, <laughs> on our special Global Leadership Podcast, we've got a very, very big special for you. We're going to be taking you backstage on how to be 
on stage. Yes, we're going to be talking about performance. We're going to talk about behavior. We're going to talk about attitude. We're going to talk about how you practice and what difference that makes to your credibility, your presence, your warmth, your power, all in one simple podcast, only available with Ant and JB for one week only. That is presence, warmth, and power in our special podcast, which is... What are we called again? <laughs> Global Leadership Podcast. Okay, I can't carry on with this. That I've was good, that was good. I, I thought you were going to say, and five number ones, all in one <laughs> compilation album. Available now at is. Woolworths. Oh, you can take us out of radio, but you can't take radio out of us. God, I enjoyed that. That was like a finale to my week. Well, well, it is. Cool. We, we record this on a Friday lunchtime, don't we? Um, Poor listeners. That must have been uh, hell to get yeah. through that. Yeah, sorry about that, listeners. But there is a there is a serious point in all of this. Yes. Because, uh, and it was actually um, a, a your point about, JB, can we do that that thing about the presentation of self in everyday life at work? Um, because, uh, you know, these days, what 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 are people turning up to? um how are they how are they feeling uh about their performance uh do they feel like they are um actually not supposed to be doing the job they're doing so they've got a little bit of imposter syndrome like here i am on this stage and no one really should take me seriously but somehow they are how is that working and then you've got people who are actually doing it extremely well, and you think they think they're doing it extremely well, but they they don't inside. And there's loads of loads of things that uh, I think are quite interesting about the presentation of self in everyday life at work, which um, you felt was a very useful uh, thing to raise in this podcast. I always believe it's an interesting point. So tell us about uh, how you came to that. A bit of thinking, Anne, because that could be good to share. Sure. Um, so the more JB has talked to this story of um, work being a stage and you and I turn up at work and we go on stage, some of these conversations are scripted conversations, as JB would call it. Others are impromptu conversations where, you know, we're dealing with things as they fly in left field and don't necessarily have in our head what we may respond to it. But ultimately, on that stage, I like the metaphor of the stage because your employees, your businesses, your teams are all sat in the audience. And some of them may be on stage with you at some point anyway because they're performing with you. Uh, other times they're observing you in the audience. But even if they're on stage with you, the intimacy of acting on stage with somebody, I believe very quickly gives people an opinion of your reputation. And JB and I talk extensively about the reputation or the legacy that you leave behind with people as you leave an organisation and the reputation you have with your people today and what do you want people to remember you for. And like many people listening to this podcast, I think... They want to have their best people working for them again. Wouldn't it be, you know, it's almost like being, they call it the fantasy football league, I think they call it, don't they? I'm not a football person, but I understand the concept is you get to build this dream team of people and then, you know, money is no object, but you can have this this many players and then see what happens. And if we want to assemble our dream team um, for an organisation, in order for us to bring those people with us, we have to have a reputation on that stage that encourages them to come to new playhouses to perform with us. And that, for me, kind of provoked this really interesting concept for a podcast episode about our reputation. And I thought it would be useful for you and I to kick around um, previous bosses that may or may not have left us a good or a bad reputation about them and whether we'd work for them again. Because I know there's certain people I would 100% work for again and there are others that no, no amount of money would let me work for them again. I may supply them, but I'd never work for them again. Um, and that's where it was born from, JB. Plus, of course, you know, you, you're constantly bringing new thoughts to our thinking, which, you know, it, it, it sometimes it sometimes sticks and it kind of gets you. And you think, hmm, and I think it's a topic that's relevant for now, because during COVID, 
um, businesses are being stressed and strained in directions they never thought they had to do before. And of course, that's some in some cases bringing out the best of some people. Crisis leadership is not something that many people are trained in, but I suspect a lot of people have had a really good experience of it in the last 18 months. And secondly, it brings out the worst of people, the ones that can't cope with the fact that they have no choice but to empower their people and then belittle, power over, bully those people, which means the minute this pandemic is done and work returns to normal and employment starts to blossom once more, your people will remember your legacy and how you performed on that stage and will say, up yours, I never want to watch you perform again. That's the thinking. I so um, it's a it's a very good uh, bit of context really to talk about uh, the the stage and I wonder how many people in our audience uh, have uh, actually been on a stage and done some sort of a performance whether it's with a violin uh, or reciting a piece of poetry or giving a presentation to um, 120 to 2,000 people you know, that we will have uh, a combination of these experiences. And, you know, you know what it's like as you're just about to be um, presented as the next speaker or, and now Anthony is going to play Rachmaninoff's variation on a theme of Paganini on his nose flute. And here he comes now uh, up to the stage. Uh, he's obviously looking very natural and very calm. He's inserting the nose flute um, and he's settling himself down. <coughs> and he's just sneezed. And he can no longer give the performance, uh, unfortunately. Um, but there we are. Um, okay. So we've, we've all. Can you stop the music now? Hang on, it's got seven seconds left to play. It's Back to you, JB. And uh, so Ant has now been whipped off the stage um, because um, he's got some nasal nasal <laughs> passage issues. Blocked. And therefore today he can't play his nose flute. Uh, back to the Amazon uh, he goes. Bye-bye, Ant. Back to the Amazon. See ya. He's going back there. Um, but we've all been in that situation. I, I, I can remember being on a stage at a conference. It was the radio conference, and I had to present... Um, I can't even remember what it was, but I used a triangle device bizarrely. Isn't that amazing? And yeah. three things on my triangle, Ant and I going on about it all the time. I was a complete rank amateur with 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 anything to do with the triangle in those days. And anyway, I lost it. I absolutely, uh, what do they call it? Carp? Corpse. Carp? Corpse. Oh, corpse is when you laugh, isn't it? I don't know. I, I, but and maybe I, the audience I, can help us out. What's the word? Where you completely uh, lose your lines. Yeah, well, I did. I absolutely lost it. And I I was supposed to be one of these people in the industry who knew what they were talking about. But I I think I'd been on a bit of a bender the night before. And um, I didn't do enough preparation. I didn't know, I didn't do enough practice. And it was unforgivable, really. But my God, did I learn from it. The feedback was 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 cutting and awful to digest even even the, the the nicest feedback was the worst because it, it was like trying to make me feel better <laughs> such a dreadful dreadful uh, communication but it was it was a turning point for me because i thought i'm never ever ever going to be in this bloody situation again i was complacent i was arrogant um and i thought i'd be able to wang it uh, but i didn't and I lost my way and the world went blank and white and it was awful. It was about about two years later um, on my work on my psychology degree that I came across this guy called Irving Goffman. And he wrote this book. It's quite a dry book. And it's called The Presentation of Self in Everyday Life. I added the at work bit on the end because I think it's quite interesting. Anyway, it's what he describes as a dramaturgical view of life. And that is that you walk onto a stage and you give off certain things. And uh, you either believe in your own performance, um, so you're taken in by your own performance, or you're not. There are others who stand up and do their presentation and they are cynical um, in their approach, 
in that they don't really believe what they're saying, but they carry on saying it. So there's the, the sincere um, individual who believes in what they're saying and the insincere who doesn't. And I, I think we have to be kind of conscious about, you know, what we're actually giving off when we walk onto that stage. So even before we go onto that stage, you know, we're, we've got a whole load of interference going on in our heads, haven't we, that, that can kick in at any moment. Uh, things that our parents might have said, our teachers, our colleagues, our brothers and sisters, whatever. Oh, you're shit at public speaking, uh, or you can't do maths, or you can't do this, you can't do that. Um, and so you get onto this, this, this stage, and there you are, little old you, and, and you're, you're pretty naked, really, uh, to the world. And the, the lights are shining bright in your face. There is, the, the room is loaded with expectation about what's going to come out of your mouth. Um, and a lot of people feel this every day. You know, it's that, it's that scary. Yeah. And they've got to, they've got to then realize they're on the stage and there are fellow players. And on they come. And you've got you to go, what the heck am I going to do uh, with these characters and how am I going to perform? Now, the, the good news is for a lot of people, they've got a script and they can, they can just work off that uh, script and they can do a bit of practicing to make it better. Uh, they, can, they can deliver it in a more meaningful way if they want to. Um, and then they, uh, they, they do the show, uh, they perform. And then... Beyond that, what's great about this metaphor is you've got the wider audience. There they are. The audience is looking at you. And uh, at this point, you you kind of got past the initial nerves and, and you're feeling a little bit better about yourself. And the audience are going, yay, yeah, we like this. We have some of that. We believe in this. We're going to talk to everybody about this brilliant point that you just raised. And, and you're dynamic. You're working with the other people on the audience. Uh, you're having a bit of a blast and you're you're performing out of your mind at this point. You don't, you're not even conscious of the script anymore. Um, you know, you, you don't worry about the. You want the lighting to follow you wherever you go. Um, and if you're singing, my God, your singing is is better than Elton John. I mean, it's it's a it's it's a fantastic wow. piece that you're delivering. And you know that there's going to be a standing ovation. And then people stand up, they jump out of their seats and some are crawling up the stage to try and rip your pants off and, and throw them back at you. <laughs> this, um, the, the metaphors are flying here, right? Wow. Um, and, and it's just so exciting when you get that happening. Then we take it back to work. And obviously, you know, the, the pant thing doesn't obviously happen very often, hopefully, at work. <laughs> Uh, is this live? All right. <laughs> I don't know what. No, it's the other way around, isn't it? People take their pants off and throw them onto the stage rather than people coming up trying to take your pants off. I worked in radio and on stage for a while, and I have to say, I don't think I ever had. I had a bra once, but ne never a pair of pants. What, taken off you? No, thrown at me. Oh, I see. <laughs> in the Black Thunders, as they were called many moons oh, ago. Oh, the old the, the Black Thunders. Mm. Um, but so where is this? where is this going? Well... Um, it is really um, a matter of um, confidence in the way that we work um, on our backstage uh, practicing and um, rehearsing our script um, and also um, practicing those kind of ad lib moments uh, which sounds a bit weird well how can you how can you it's almost like practicing to be spontaneous um, but actually, that's not a bad idea, uh, just to, to get people to throw Google at, Googleys at you all the time. So you, when you're on the stage, you can actually have all of these great lines uh, that you can, you can throw out. Um, but of course, it, it, it is so important to be authentic um, and to, to really concentrate. If I, if I was to respond to this person with the appropriate behavior, what feels right to me? I can, I can read the script, I can see what I'm supposed to do, but how do I transla translate that into a way that I want to behave? And I guess the starting point, what's my attitude to this? Where's my, where's my belief? Where's my attitude? Um, and how can I harness uh, me into this presentation so that it's 
the presentation of myself so that it's authentic because people know very very quickly uh when it's inauthentic um and then your trust can go out the bloody window and i have to say we've been talking a lot here with this metaphorical stage but of course the stage isn't for performances to your entire team the stage unfortunately is representative of the office floor that you may walk to across that stage to get to your office on one side of the stage on a on a daily basis and it's how you do those unscripted walks around that can dictate your reputation it can also be those unscripted conversations where other performers jump up on stage with you and pop into your office for a chat and stuff it if if we take life at work as the stage and everybody else is actors on the stage with you and your clients are in the audience then you have a collective responsibility as the director and lead actor on that stage to make sure that all of your other actors on stage with you give their performance of their life but also that those people that are looking for you for inspiration to be the best actors that they can want to act with you because i tell you something there's no way i want to act with someone that makes me mess up my lines there's yeah. no one that i want on stage with me that's a, such a big personality that actually always overshadows what i'm doing i think there's there's so many connotations with this this stage um it's a it's a really interesting metaphor my question is 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 what do you want your reputation to be with your other actors if that's your other workers and you are the lead actor here you know do you want to be the drama queen do you want to be the person that everyone hates you know you're kind of that high will low sorry your high skill low will your attitude is awful but you're a necessary thing because you're a cloud crowd pleaser or something you know anyway jb and some people can be incredibly jealous, can't they? You know, um, of, of 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 the talent that you are, and for example, yeah. Uh, well, no, because you can walk into a room and you bounce about uh, like Tigger, and um, oh, Tigger. you know, people people follow you around the room, um, and they they love you. They 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 love your energy and your um, the, the the kind of excitement that you bring to the. I'm not taking the piss. This is actually genuinely. This is what I see. He's justifying the bra being thrown at me now, isn't he? <laughs> and uh, it's it's infectious. And then everybody, you know, I, because there's a sort of there's an edge to it. But it's you're not you're not powering yourself over these people. I've never, I've never felt that. You know, some people, you can see. I don't know. I don't know how much Netflix you watch, but you know, there's a load of shit telly to watch sometimes when it's all a bit grim and ghastly, and there's nothing else to do. And you watch some pretty shit productions, and you watch these actors arriving, um, and oh my god, uh, are they overacting? And it's all about moi. It's all about me. Look at me acting. Aren't I brilliant? And and the, and you just it's just like oh you're just over you're trying too hard mate there are other people who are just quietly getting on with their job um, who are just brilliant at what they do and they're not making a great big noise hmm. um and they're 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 just authentic they're true to themselves and you know i really notice it in leaders um, who are Kate? Can I do a swear word? Yeah, um, we've been good so far, haven't we? Yeah, I, I've always it just takes me back to my early life. You know, it's like, Mummy, can I swear? Um, <laughs> can I tell you what I heard at school? Yeah, Mother. Um, yeah, um, but I, I always like it. I always like a leader who who says, "Fuck if I know." I like that. It's like they they genuinely don't know, and it's like, oh. That's come right back at me. Mm. I've got to. I've got to think this now. I've got to work this out. Um, so I like an actor on the stage, who just is just just being so natural, uh, because they've really got the script right. And those unscripted moments, they can they can just be this be as close to the character uh, that they can be. And they're not, you know, they just don't look like they're acting anymore. Yeah. There's really good actors who are who are um, like that. And I'm just, sorry, Anne, yeah. 
No, 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 no. I was going to put my hand up to go next. I'm not interested. Al Pacino is my favourite actor, non-actor. Because he's so natural, he's real. Yeah, and, and absolutely. Michelle Pfeiffer. Was, uh, I know it's a bit of a, it's a crude comparison. Wasn't Barry Norman supposed to be one of the best autocue readers of his generation? You never oh, thought he, he was, was reading from an autocue. Yeah, he was absolutely, absolutely brilliant. And this, this, Ant, you mentioned relaxed concentration earlier. Mm. What a, what a, what a goal for us to get to, uh, to, to have that level of relaxed concentration. So we are calmly in the zone. We're not trying too hard anymore. We're on our stage. Um, we're actually enjoying being there. And, and we're not trying too hard. We're not overacting. And we're not, we're not bound up, up by anxiety and, and tension. We've done the, the right level of preparation for it, uh, but we're ready for the ad libs. And uh, you can tell, you can tell how um, how that's how that's working on a stage. You know, if you see that kind of level of performance in a theater, it is it is mind-blowingly uh, exciting to see that going on. And I think this is what Goffman was really kind of um, moving towards, you know, this this idea of the sincere um, performance uh, rather than the cynical performance. Uh, the cynical performance being I'm I'm going to I'm going to do this and and sometimes it's like the sort of I'm going to have power over I don't really believe what I'm saying but I'm just going to say it I'm so suspicious when I when I hear people on the news or uh, politicians being interviewed in particular there is there is such an absence of sincerity in what they're saying yeah um that I'm just thinking this isn't this isn't real this is a terrible presentation of self here. What about those people on stage that are incredibly brilliant actors, the real deal, authentic, but they never yeah. seem to have the light follow them? Yeah. And I suspect there are some leaders, possibly listening to this podcast, who feel that they haven't been given the stage time for other actors on stage to realise their potential or indeed the audience. Now, to your point, maybe it's the power over of the bigger personality, the bigger cast member that's making it so. But there are people in organisations right now that I suspect are absolutely superstars that have never been, they've never had their potential realised. And is that the fault of the actor? Or is that the fault of the stage management? And the reason I ask it is sometimes my imposter syndrome does go up and down from time to time. But I see some people who are proper in your face with their achievements. And and sometimes I wonder if it's their own lack of self-confidence. that They want to tell you that they've just, you know, done this, done that, won an award. I'm great. Download this. Do that. Um, my people, my people. It's more about them than, than what they're delivering. And I'm just not like that that's not me it doesn't but i also see that that brings them success and is that what the other actors on the stage want to see or do they kind of go along with it because yeah they're the lead cast member so uh i better you know social media stage i like it because you know i possibly need them more than i at the moment than i than i want to let on well or, I, I, on. yes I, so I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, I think this is about the. Um, I think this is the, the question of charisma. Uh, I, I think that that can have uh, an, an impact. So the highly charismatic leader uh, in an in an organisation and can be quite can be quite exciting and can be quite uh, welcome uh, at a certain time of the organizations um season seasonal cycle or life cycle uh, uh, i'm loving I, this stage metaphor it's so good i don't know whether that is that sustainable um in in today's world where you know that's okay for a moment 
but you, I don't, it's something I've noticed that you get a charismatic leader on board and, and the number twos, their, their power, their good power, um, and their ability to make decisions is limited by the charisma of that individual. And I think the business can be at risk when you've got a highly charismatic leader uh, that everyone starts speaking like them, dressing like them, um, and following similar <laughs> sort of speech patterns um, and uh, facial characteristics. It is true, though, and people start you know, when you've got that sort of charismatic thing going on, people start becoming a bit cliquey, a bit like it. And I, I think that's a, I think it's a bit of a risk for an organisation to start going down that route. Because um, what happens when that person eventually moves on? Yeah. Or indeed, the they is, turn. Absolutely. I think the other thing about that is that, um, thank God for the great number twos in the world. Um, you know, there are the most brilliant number twos in organisations who never want to be uh, the top dog. They don't want to be the leader, um, but they are they are the most excellent uh, number twoers. And I think that, that rank, that role, uh, should be better celebrated um, in, you know, helping the, the 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 business to to operate excellently uh and to manage the stage well when when the leader might be doing the big the big oratory the big heavy lifting the big performance uh piece a number two on the stage is 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 really important i thought it might be quite useful um i just had written the other day um some stuff about personal front and you know what what you what your personal front uh would need to have um on that stage and so uh, and this is how this is what you give off okay this is this is what other people might see from your personal front so you've got rank you've got clothing you've got gender you've got age you've got um racial characteristics you've got size and looks You've got posture, you've got speech patterns, you've got facial expressions, you've got bodily gestures. These are all the things that you bring onto that stage with you. And uh, you, you're kind of being assessed on any number of those things. Mm. There's still a thing um, about size and looks, for example. You know, yeah, you just yeah. you just know these things still still exist. As we bring this this subject to a near conclusion, because I'm conscious we have a listener question, and we probably have some other bits and pieces to chew the fat through. Um, as a leader listening to this podcast, um, it may be useful for us to kind of give some thought as to how we bring this back in for you to reflect upon for yourselves. Um, and I guess some rhetorical questions for the listeners to reflect upon is where do you see yourself on that stage at the minute? And what do you want the other actors on that stage if the other actors are the people that you work with and the audience are your clients or the people outside that business looking in? What do you want that reputation to be? What role do you want to have on that stage? Do you want to be the lead actor? Would you rather be the number two? Are you better at ad-libbing or are you better at scripted pieces? Um, and what do you want those other actors to see in you as a why you know I'd, I'd love to act with JB again you know I did pantomime with him last year so that's a British term of you know the seasonal uh, Christmas show um, you know what do you what, what sort of roles do you want to play because if I'm honest HMS Pinafore I, I want to go back into the chorus again I just I, I'd love to do that with you Ant um, do you know any uh, Gilbert and Sullivan no no we sail the ocean blue, and a saucy ship's a beauty. We're sober men and true, and attentive to our duty. Before you put any sound effects, I'm stopping. Oh, right, damn it. But you, you and I, we could, we could nail the world. We could do a tour. 
Uh, I, I think so. HMS Pinafore. I had a, by the way, sorry, going way off piece for a second. I had a reminder the other day of a conversation you and me had that if we stopped doing leadership, we were going to do sound bath tours of the country. Do you remember? Oh, yes. <laughs> if it all went tits up, we would end up with sound bath. Yes. JB and Ant sound bath goes so, global the the, the 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 story behind this was we'd had i believe quite a bit of alcohol on one of our many tours of the country <laughs> and we only had each other for company which tends to be the case when you're over a weekend we normally to keep the cost down for travel for clients you travel out on the tuesday you then work wednesday thursday friday you then do a monday tuesday wednesday the following week and even with the two extra nights in the hotel for the client the flight costs were a quarter of what you'd pay going out on monday back on friday so me and JB would spend an awful lot of weekends together thinking up all sorts of weird and wacky shit, let's be honest. And in particular, this one idea, this was JB's one, if I'm not mistaken, was bloody brilliant. We talked about having all these speakers in a room and having people laying on a towel. And then you kind of, you know, you have panpipe music and then you go blowing on people, walking around so they feel the wind. Um, form of meditation, if you will, but... Anyway, me and JB, thank goodness we didn't jack in this for that because we wouldn't be able to do any sound baths at the minute with COVID. I don't think we get any venture capitalist backing for that one. Don't know, it's a lot of weird shit. <laughs> but uh, hey ho, never mind. Um, sorry, Ant, I interrupted you with my rendition. No, it's fine. No, my my only observations were as a leader. What roles do we want to have as an actor on the stage? Do we want, to, you know, that's the question. There there are multiple leaders, lead actors and actresses on that stage. I think it's just actors these days, isn't it? We don't have actors, actresses. Um, you know, do you want that, those lead parts? Do you really want to be the headline that everyone looks to and judges? Or are you more comfortable being a second in line act, the one that actually gets to have all the punchlines and stuff and have the fun and the informal and the formal? That's what's interesting. But critically, looking back at my previous leaders, they were average at the scripted, but they were bloody brilliant at the unscripted. And so much, so much stuff is done in those informal, unscripted moments. Um, I, I think those are the fantastic um, relationships and conversations uh, that really, really are the, are the dynamic things that hold organisations together. On the whole, it's it's not so much the formal, uh, it's the it's the informal. It's a hunch. I don't have thousands and thousands of well, perhaps I do have thousands and thousands of pieces of research, but it's all in my head. Yes. Um, um, but I, I again trying to make all of this nonsense practical. Um, imagine, if you will, the backstage. And you've got your organisation, the whole damn organisation backstage. And we're thinking before we go out on the front stage, uh, listen up, we need to really think about uh, how we're going to do this, how we're going to deal with this no normal world that we operate in. And so let's frame this as three things. When we go out on that stage, some of us are going to go out and be leaders and we're going to show what great leadership looks like. So there's a group of us are gonna work on leader and how we're gonna communicate, uh, what are our attitudes and our values and our behaviors as leaders, because we're gonna perform that. We're gonna perform it really well. We get some feedback going on that. Um, so that's stuff um, around how we're gonna communicate our vision, um, how the how are we going to be inspiring? How are we going to measure how inspiring we are? Let's let's that we got an audience out there. We can we can work with them to make this really great. Um, and you know how are we going to keep that sort of consistency of messaging going? What is our message? We need to practice that. We need to write up some scripts. So that's the leader lot of you. You go and do that. Um, then we've got over here. We've got our coaches and our mentors um, and our instructors. And so they're going to go off and work on the dip. What does an instructor, what does great, what does a great instructor looks like? Like, because we're going to demonstrate that on the stage. Uh, great mentors, great coaches. Um, we're going to, you're going to sit there and, and give off being a great coach or a great mentor or a great instructor. So you're going to go out there and do your thing. And then we need some managers as well. 
Uh, these are the managers who are going to focus on operational excellence and client engagement um, and everything else. We we need you to, to be great managers. We'd expect to see some really, really cool objectives, some good flip chart staff, some good um, forces for and against, some good model work, um, some outcome measurements, some KPIs. We're going to get you to really show the audience that we're the company that really manages what's right for the business. Um, so we all got our roles. Um, in four hours, we're going to go out on that stage and we're going to deliver this business's brilliant uh, performance uh, for the next three years and how we're going to do it. That, to me, is where the power of Goffman's presentation of self in everyday life at work begins and where we have massive work to do inside organizations to practice, 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 practice our ability for those scripted moments and the unscripted moments. I hope that kind of pulls it all together, and That was my attempt at a pulling together thing. It was excellent as a roundup of this very interesting topic. But we obviously... And the audience give us a round of applause. They will. Let me, let me, let's meet the contestants. Um, this is JB. He's just done a session on um, stage management or everyday life at work. Anyway, that's about as good as I phone a friend. Yeah. Um, oh, hold on. Phone a friend. Phone a friend. Hold on. Phone a friend lifeline. Here we go. Um, so I'm going to phone a friend. Are you going to phone, um, JB? I'm, I'm going to phone you, Ant. Um, what, what, how will you guide me? What, what am I going to do next to, uh, to, to close this down? I think what we need to do, JB, is we need to go to listener questions. Yes. Um, and the time's ticking, so we must get onto those listener questions. Get me a listener question as fast as you can, otherwise this is going to go absolutely... Yeah, so uh, globalleadershippodcast.gmail.com is the email address. If you're in the audience, live audience, and you want to ask us a question, you need to do it now using the Q&A box. You can mark the question as anonymous if you so wish, and we'll answer them in order that they come in. But we do have a listener question via email first, and all the time's nearly up, so I'll then read out that question as soon as the time is up. Oh, what oh. was the listener question? We'll never find out. No. So we have a listener question, uh, and yes. this is from Anna in the US. And her question is, how do we relax as leaders of business? So it's a bit of a personal one. How do we relax as leaders of a business? Ooh. Um, let me... I love that question. That's yeah. a really... Oh. <laughs> that does... <laughs> do you... Is it Endemol that owns um, the, um, <laughs> is what's this... it called? What's that program called? Um, who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Yeah, is it Endemol? I, One of those. I don't know. I don't know. I'm worried got... they're going to sue us, Anne, for playing all their music. No, as long as we talk over it and it's uh, under 30 <laughs> seconds per clip, we're fine. So I need is to... that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So how do we relax? We, we play um, daft music like that and... My, I, what, what's the secret for me to relax? Well, I think it is um, fondling the um, furry ears of my dog. Uh, that I found recent during lockdown. I've got a little border terrier called Twizzle, and she loves her ears being tickled. And she, I don't know if anyone's got a border terrier. But they have, I have a Labrador. the most For the live oh, audience. They have is. the most. Labradors have gorgeous ears. Um, there's nothing like uh, just just fondling a little furry dog's ears. Um, it's just for me one of the most relaxing things. Now to go with that uh, is a nice bottle of whiskey, not an entire bottle, by yeah. the way, but just a wee dram. A wee dram of whiskey uh, with the fondling of the dog's ears uh, and then some lovely music. And it's in my case, because I'm a bit of a knob, I do like a little bit of classical music. Uh, Mozart's Mass in C will, will take me away uh, to a very, very relaxed place with a little dram of whiskey and whilst fondling my dog's ears. That to me is about as good as it gets. But then I am an old dog myself there we are what about you and um beat that mine mine is a dog theme i like to go and walk my dog if i'm having a bad day that's how i typically do stuff um that's how i do it i think also music the other thing is is that i think too often 
especially leaders, they feel they have to be online 24-7. I think there's this this codependency need that I must be available. So I think blocking in time in your calendar to be able to switch off, if, especially if you're working remotely. So for me, it's blocking time in my calendar. So I go and walk the dog normally about 11 o'clock in the morning. Hence why she's now flat out because of the walk earlier. Um, I do have a half an hour a day where I blast out some music. Not classical, a selection of music actually. Um, but that's what I do to relax. Um, so yes, um, hopefully Anna in the US that answers that question for you. Um, we do have, oh, go on. Well, I, it's gonna, it, it's interesting, isn't it, that dogs are, you know, important um, in both our lives. And I don't know, I think I've become a little bit obsessed with um, the Fondling dogs. dogs ears. But, well, that too. But uh, I, I'm a member of a Spinoni uh, dog owners um, club, and I haven't got a Spinoni <laughs> But I just love the breed. They're so... But look up um, a Spinoni if you get a chance, listeners, because they're just the most beautiful dogs. Um, enormous great big things. And I keep coming across one on the beach down here in Ramsgate, and it's stunning, absolutely stunning. And I also go on... I'm also a member of Border Terrier fan club. I never used to be like this up until COVID. I'd never thought I would go into being a fan of, you know, being in a fan club for anything. But I find it quite lovely looking at all of these sites. Now, what I found is the cost of puppies for those particular breeds mm. have gone through the roof. Yeah. And there's some very unscrupulous people out there breeding and breeding and breeding dogs because people uh, want pets during these difficult times. Um, and I've just mentioned how, you know, I quite like giving a twiz a little fondle of her ears. Um, and I, you know, I think, I think people really, really want, uh, pets. Um, and you know, we, we, we love ours, don't we? And it, and it's kind of, it really does help unconditional love that they give back to you. Unlike a lot of people. And the beauty is of course, with COVID remote working is the norm rather than the exception at the moment. And I suspect many businesses are now going to allow that flexibility. Um, so that means people can be more likely to have a pet. Um, we have a separate separate question, um, which is anonymous. Uh, let me just get it up because my screen's just locked. Sorry, one second. Let's come back to my home screen. Um, so anonymous question, um, UK, that's all I can say. Um, and um, when a business is underperforming and you are leading that business through that underperformance, how do you boost morale for your people? Tricky one. Um, if it's due to things that are out ordinarily in normal times, we wouldn't talk about things outside your control because normally in normal times, most things are within your control to therefore think about how you can improve the performance. But I sense for an awful lot of these questions we're getting at the minute that more often than not, there is pretty much you are a leader of a helpless situation. To, to be crude, a, a sinking ship, um, which may well be rescued in time, but there isn't necessarily the end to dictate that. And I think this ironically feeds in nicely to what we've been talking about in this episode, actually. Um, for me, it's about what do you want your reputation to be? Because it's how you're judged as a leader during the tough times when you're going through some pretty choppy waters. Um, that's going to dictate whether... Because you're all going to survive. That's what we need to remember here. Get some perspective. If the ship does go down, we all have a life raft. Now, that life raft may well be no job, but ultimately, we are all going to survive this sinking ship. So to put it into perspective, this is not life or death, but it can obviously spell the end of a really great period. So it's empathy, I think, is number one. And controlling the things you can control. You know, if there are particular indices that, you know, typically would drive um, performance for your business, keep doing those things and encouraging people to do the things they can control and let it wash the stuff you can't. Um, uh, I was given, and by the way, interestingly, I forgot to mention in our previous question, um, one of my team this morning said that, I said to them, how are they feeling today? He said, I'm, he said my words are constructive mental fatigue. I've loved this week. I've been very stimulated, but my brain is knackered. It's 
So he said, it is, and he's not English native speaking. So he said, constructive mental fatigue. Does that translate? I said it bloody well does. But I think um, a lot of us have negative mental fatigue as well at the minute. We've, we've been trying to, like you were saying, JB, a few weeks ago, last year, you had enough to keep you busy and stimulated. And there are an awful lot of people listening to this podcast that are probably furloughed still at the minute. Um, there are other people that are in businesses that are in distress, but are trying to cope and make the best of the situation. And we try and blame, you know, and we, we may have anger and frustration towards our employer for some of the decisions they're taking, but we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And, and therefore, all we can do for our people is give them a sense of certainty. So empathy, control the things you can control, and um, trying to provide some level of certainty in how you do things despite the uncertainty that around it. If it's down to your own performance and things that are in your control, then have a bloody good look at yourself and how you're doing on that stage. There you go. JB? Uh, well, I, I completely agree with all of that. And um, this, these times, um, you know, if we're underperforming for whatever reason, um, never more important uh, to, to be human. And that sounds so kind of bland, really, but it's not. It's so important. How do you do that? Well, um, this week I have seen uh, loads and loads of people on my screen in front of me. Um, they're looking at me and thinking, this is a mole facilitating this session. But I <laughs> look at them and I see human beings and they're interacting and they're having fun and they're laughing. Um, and usually ants jokes. Um surprisingly and uh no they're they're lovely jokes but i'd so it's just uh, the more you we can get people backstage uh and use virtual technology is is superb yeah um at getting everybody onto a great big screen and having a big big conversation and if you can't have the big big conversation because the organization is so huge break it out into little groups so important that everybody feels that they have uh, a team behind them, you know, who's team Ant, who's team JB, I know who my team is, I've got a team, and they're made up of all sorts of different people from different walks of life, and um, they are my team, and if I'm feeling like, oh god, this is mission impossible, I know where, I know how to um, harness, harness my team, Twizzle, my border terrier, is part of that team, big time, so, but I think, you know, things like humour, communication, being human, as Ant says, you know, empathy, um, being being truthful about the uncertainties, um, as Ant quite rightly says, control over what you what you can control, um, and increase that level of certainty wherever you can um, by increasing that level of control over it. Um, get everyone backstage and having the conversation about when we go back out after this conversation. What are we going to do on that stage for our stakeholders, for that audience uh, that is different to anything we've done before um, so that we can deliver the performance of our lives to get this back on track? Do, you know, you won't do it with mathematics, but you will do it with the heart. You will yeah. do it with the heart. And that's where the stage is such a brilliant communication of us being humans and being authentic and real and um, making making people do extraordinary things, not us not making them, them making it happen, because they they have the truth by the tail, um, and they have the team behind them to make it happen. Our time is up, ladies and gents. Um, however, um, if you have questions for the Global Leadership Podcast, you can email them through at globalleadershippodcast.gmail.com. You can find us on our various social media channels and submit questions either in comments or through direct messages to me or JB. And of course, if you are in the live audiences, you can always submit questions via the Q&A box um, in order to join us for next week. Every week, this is recorded in front of a live audience. If you're listening to the podcast, feel free to look out for links on how you can get involved in the audience very soon. This will be going through Seedle as a subscription service, which is free, by the way, for you to still access these podcasts through that. But keep an eye out for that. I don't know why my dog's growling. But anyway, any exciting plans for the weekend ahead, Mr. Bradley? Uh, oh, one second. Ooh. What are your plans? Well, number one, I'm going to be sanding my hall floor. Boring. Number two, 
I'm going to be screwing knobs onto my banisters. Oh. Number three, I will be doing some more fiddling of my dog's ears. Uh, number four, I shall be making dinner with my wife. That sounds so dull. Oh, God, lockdown. You see, normally I'd be able to tell you, right, I'm going up to London. We're going to spend a weekend up there. Yeah, have a yeah, bit yeah, of, yeah. You you know, half the podcast would be deals. what you did in the previous weekend. Uh, well, I can't do that. You know, I oh, know we're going off to Paris for the weekend. Oh, no, we're going to get a camper van and go around bloody West Sussex. We, I can't do any of these things. No. And yet I've got the imagination to sand my hall floor and put some knobs on my balustrades. That is my lockdown world. But it's OK. It's OK. I can go. I can go. What about you, Anne? What is your weekend looking like? Mm, uh, less less eventful i hate to say um there's some snow forecast in in hampshire tomorrow so we are anticipating oh. some more possible well it's going to be a wet weekend so we know it's going to be wet and not very nice and i suspect the snow will be slushed very quickly so it'll be an indoor weekend although it's my um, oldest boy's 10th birthday today oh. so we will be celebrating oh. that this evening with his choice of meal which is a mcdonald's um, so we'll probably have something later that is less. Well, I don't know. We might end up mucking in. So a bit of that. Give him a big slobbery hug from me. Um, he does know you, doesn't he? You are, you are. He's met you, and you are famous to him. So he wouldn't be too disturbed by that suggestion. What a, what a, what a gift, um, Mr. Bradley is on his everyday life. Say that's from JB. Work. Just give him a big hug and a big slobbery kiss, and say that's from JB. Okay, consider it done. Um, other than that, ladies and gents, thanks ever so much for listening, as ever. Um, I've been Anthony Price. And I've been a giant Spinoni, um, converting rapidly into a mole-like creature. So whether you're a mole, a Spinoni, a poodle or a terrier, it's goodbye from me and have a great week ahead. See you later. See you. See you.